0: here in Philippians in the uh, his letter to the Philippians Philippians chapter 3 of Philippians uh, the church at Philippi was a particular church for him because God had given him a vision to go into Macedonia and his vision was he saw a woman a man calling him from Macedonia and when he and his Uh, co-workers went into Macedonia, there was no man available. And someone would say, well I have that dream or I have that vision and it does not seem like that dream is coming to pass like it should. Well, Many a times I had dreams and I had a little vision here and there but um, many times it didn't come to pass the way I thought it would. But um, Paul, when he got there, almost gave up. Nobody in Macedonia. So they were in Philippi, and there was nobody there willing to... And then he said, Okay, before we leave town, let's go down by the riverside. And there were some women gathered there, and he preached. And the Lord opened the heart of Lydia, the seller of purple. Yes, opened the heart of Lydia, the seller of purple. And so the church was started in Lydia's house... See, back there, they did not have the facilities like you and I have so we can come and prop ourselves down in a comfortable pew or a comfortable sanctuary, air-conditioned going and a band playing. No, they met in homes. Remind me, years ago when we started churches out in Guyana, uh, we would probably meet under someone's house or maybe have a house meeting. And that's how it was. We were closely knit together. Uh, When we needed something, we prayed and God supplied it. And so Paul, uh, when he was finished in this place, a church was started. And this letter that he's writing here is to the church at Philippi. A letter of encouragement. Uh, He made some statements about himself here. uh, Because there were individuals that were challenging Paul's position in the ministry. Uh, when you're a true man of God, you're always challenged by individuals that would not see what you want them to see and what God is uh, offering as truth. Uh, when John was writing his epistle, he, said, um, he says in, in 1 John, and I'll be jumping around a little, coming back to Philippians in a minute, but in 1 John chapter 4, uh, John writes like this, he says, Beloved, Believe not every spirit. I can change that. Translate it to suit my own interpretation. He says, Beloved, believe not every preacher. Well, isn't that something? An apostle 2,000 years ago, he says, Believe not every spirit. He says, But try the spirits, whether they are of God Because many false prophets 2,000 years ago Are already gone out into the world And so if they were gone out Many gone out already 2,000 years ago I wonder what's happening today See it's very important for us to understand that It's very important uh, important for us to understand That truth is not always promoted I was having a chat with Brother Moses this morning and I told him, I said, if we bring a great man like Martin Luther and put him on one of these chairs to sit on, Martin Luther, great man in Protestant uh, Reformation, right? Uh, We put him to sit on a chair, the great Martin Luther, who promoted the concept, the just shall live by faith, the founder of the Lutheran movement. Would we want Martin Luther to come and teach our assembly? Oh, well, he was a great man. He was a great man out there. But when it comes to the church, he ain't that great a man. The Pope is a great man, but I don't want the Pope to come and teach this church. There are great presidents and prime ministers around the world. But the church belongs to Jesus. And so whether a man is great, we have to come to that place of understanding uh, some things like the mystery of iniquity. And I must classify the man sitting there, not you but a Raleigh, you Martin Luther today. I must classify if that man sitting there is a worker of iniquity. Because if he is a worker of iniquity... You follow him, you'd be lost. He might accomplish, Nebuchadnezzar might have accomplished what God wanted him to accomplish. But he could not pastor the church. When he ascended on high, Jesus gave gifts unto men. And truth that is dispensed in the church is particular and peculiar to the people in the church. And so somewhere down the line, God must help us to identify truth from error. And if you have the spirit of truth, you might be saved. If you don't have the spirit of truth, you would follow any individual leading you across the city. 2,000 years ago, the body of Christ was identifiable. It wasn't a little bit in the Pharisee. And a little bit in the Sadducee. Or a little bit in the Essenes. And a little bit among the Nazarites. The body of Christ was identifiable. There was a man sent from God. His name was John. Dressed in camel's hair. Not according to the regular uh, pattern of the religious movements of his time. If you were a Jew. You would have a hard time listening to John. Dressed in camel hair. I wonder if God purposely did that. And I think God did. He always does things that goes contrary to the grain of apostate religion. And when John is writing here, he says... Many false prophets are already gone out into the world... And here no, hereby know we the spirit of God. At that time, when John was writing there was a doctrine being being promoted called docetism. And docetism was promoting an idea that Jesus was a spirit being. He was not in the flesh. And so John, as far as he was concerned, if you believed in docetism, you were not of God. If you had a spirit of truth, you would not accept the fact that Jesus was a spirit being and he didn't really die. He died. He was flesh. He died on a cross. And so docetism, promoted by a gentleman whose name was Serenthus, was false doctrine. And so John did not play games. He was very blunt. He said every spirit... That confesseth that Jesus is come in the flesh is of God. Two thousand years ago. If you say Jesus came in the flesh you are of God. If you said he came in only in the spirit you are not of God. So very plain. Very blunt. He didn't say well the body of Christ is just worldwide anybody. No, no, no. He was particular. See the body of Christ has been diluted over the years. Contrary to the plan of God. And so John went on further on. He says every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus is come in the flesh. Is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist. Antichrist. The spirit of the Antichrist. Is the spirit that goes contrary to what the Lord wants to teach in his church. While you and I and the whole world today. And prophecies and prophets. Uh, and teachers of prophecy are looking forward and telling you in the book of Revelation that there is going to be an Antichrist, I want to inform you something. You know the word Antichrist is not found in the book of Revelation. Not once. Not a single time is the word Antichrist found in the book of Revelation. But Antichrist existed, the spirit of the Antichrist existed long before the book of Revelation was produced. To be contrary to what God wants to be taught is the spirit of the Antichrist. And John says, this person that teaches contrary to what the church teaches is Antichrist. If a man comes in here and he says, I disagree with your doctrine... If I believe I'm of God and he disagrees with my doctrine, he's Antichrist. Well, mm-hmm. right. I saying you can't get a fellowship built like that, I'm not here to build a fellowship. I'm here to preach the word. Amen. And somewhere down the line, you've got to have your senses exercised to decide who is Antichrist and who is not Antichrist. And make up your mind who you want to follow. Now here's John. The Beloved John. John the Beloved. He went on to say. He says this is the spirit of Antichrist. Whereof you have heard that it, it should come. And even now already is in the world. Then he turned to he writes to the people. He says you are of God little children. And have overcome them false prophets. For the work of God to go on. It is absolutely necessary for every minister that will promote the word of, word, of, word of God, like God wants it promoted, to first of all overcome false prophets. Isn't that something? When he was writing this, you want to meet a false prophet, you got to go down the street to meet him. Today, you want to meet a false prophet, go to the Christian bookstore. Turn on your television. Unless we can come to the place of being able to overcome false prophets, we cannot move ahead with the church. And it's not going out there and preaching against somebody out there. It's checking your library to start with. What are you hooked on? What does your mind feed on? Is the author of this book a worker of iniquity? I told Brother Moses today that as I keep on preaching, it becomes narrower and narrower. It's not going to become wider tomorrow, it's going to become narrower. And narrow because Jesus is coming back for a church without spot yes, or wrinkle. As a minister, my responsibility is to find the spots. And that's what I'm doing here today. Amen. And you as a child of God must have your senses exercised to discern the difference. Now, Paul, John went on further. He says, you're of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you. Wasn't it good to hear about this treasure in art and vessels today? Well, you got a treasure in art and vessel? What you doing with it? Is it of use? Lord, help me here. Looks like we're not going to talk about Paul today. This treasure, praise the Lord, brother Sam, I got a treasure, an orton vessel. What are you doing tomorrow? Put the treasure aside and watch the devil. I got a treasure, but it's locked up. As opportunity comes, I follow a different voice. I let Hollywood direct my life. I let the world direct my life. I let society direct my life. And when the Bible says love not the world. It's not only talking about the ungodly world. Or the sports world. Or the entertainment world. It's talking about the religious world also. More dangerous than the entertainment world. And the ungodly world. And the fashion world. Is the religious world. Jesus said, Father, I have given them thy word, and the world hateth me. Which world? The ungodly did not hate him. The religious world hated him. And somewhere down the line, the word of God must sanctify us from the religious world, for starters. We deal with the ungodly world as God saves us by his spirit. So John went on further on, <clears throat> and he said here, he says, They are not of the world, verse 5. Therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. There's an element that would, the world will follow. And listen to this profound statement, everybody, verse 6 together. He says, we are of God. Now, I'm standing here today, preaching to you. And I believe I'm of God. I believe I'm of God. I believe when I stand and God give me a message, I'm being used of God. And so I preach that word like John says. We are of God. Now read the rest. He said he that is not of God will deny what I'm saying, argue about what I'm saying, disbelieve what I'm saying, refuse what I'm saying. He says hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. When I stand up and present the gospel, if there's something working in your spirit, that even though it's written there, it's warring that against what I'm saying because of years of tradition and traditionalism, then you need to examine yourself what spirit you're of. And so these apostles that existed back there in the early church days, they had a challenge. See, Jesus had already said the field was sown down with tears. And so they had a challenge to follow Jesus or follow the religious world of that time. And so here, back up a little. I'm not, I promise you I'm not going to be long. I always make that promise and always break it. But um, here in 2 Se- Corinthians, uh, Paul is writing. And <clears throat> I can't get into all of this today, but... He is writing an epistle to salvage a church that's already backsliding. Corinth was already backsliding. And when Paul writes to this church, he deals with the situation in this assembly that was existing there in 2 Corinthians. And I would not be able to get into all the chapters I wanted because of our limited time today. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 11... He warns, he says, would to God, you would bear with me a little in my folly. And this man is doing his best to see if he can impress the church that he was of God. There was a time when Moses stood up and he told Israel that God wanted them out of Egypt. And because they were coming out of bondage, some people rebelled, but the masses of people believed in Moses. But as they came out of Egypt physically, God had a problem getting Egypt out of their hearts. And as they wandered longer and longer in the wilderness, they complained about the man, against the man that brought them out of Egypt. They wanted to kill him. They thought he brought them to die. They thought he brought them into a wilderness to let the enemies destroy them. And God eventually destroyed most of the Israelites that came out of Egypt. Because they could not get Egypt out of their hearts. One of the things we have said for years is that God has brought us out of Babylon. Physically, maybe. But if God cannot get Babylon out of us, we will die in the wilderness. God, this is dessert. This is dessert for the breakfast you had this morning. Because this, whatsoever was written aforetime, was written for our learning. And when we look at these examples of scripture, we should understand that if God's own people that he got out of Egypt physically failed to get Egypt out of their hearts. You sit here in the church, say you come out of Babylon, but you still read the books of Babylon. You still practice the practices of Babylon. You still are indoctrinated with the ways and customs of Babylon. You will die We will die if we remain like that in the wilderness and never be able to reach into the promised land. How I started all of this. What song we were singing? There's a sweet, sweet peace. And you know, coming back and think about that, this treasure in your urgent vessel is not given to you to lock up. This treasure in your art and vessel is given to you as a help to assist you to overcome the spirit of Egypt and the spirit of the world. And Sister Cindy is correct. When a message goes forth from this pulpit, how you treat it will determine your eternal destiny. if God is giving a lesson what you do with it. Because he'll speak once. And he'll speak twice. And there might come a time he stops speaking to your heart. Too long have we courted with the spirit of society. Too long have we courted with the spirit of Babylon. And as Paul is writing to the church of Corinth here. He says here would to God you would bear with me a little in my folly. There's a whole lesson I want to teach you. I want to put one day and show you how this man suffered so many things. And he's trying to let them know that he is not walking in the flesh. He says bear up with me I'm a foolish old man. They treated Moses like a foolish old man. As Brother Goodwin got older, they treated him like a foolish old man. As As I get older, you might say in your mind he's a foolish old man. But if God has called me to preach this gospel, and you say that, if you're of God, you will hear me. And if you're not of God, you will not hear me. So, hereby know we the spirit of truth, And a spirit of error. I don't need to squeeze my eyes and speak in tongues. To find out if you got a spirit of truth. Preach the word. And see the response. And you will know who has heard. And who will follow in. The path of righteousness. Paul went on here. He says for I'm jealous over you. Well I thought God alone was jealous. You know that's a strange word that God used. He says I'm jealous over you. He says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. That was something that bothered me as a young man growing up. I wondered how God could be a jealous God. Well, if there is not true love, there would not be any jealousy. Who is the latest married couple we've got in this church? Sister Karen. You and Brother Tony. Do you get jealous, Brother Tony? I can't hear you. They can't hear you. Yes, yes, you get jealous. What would make you jealous? <clears throat> you know what would make you jealous? If one day you open Karen's purse. I don't know if you do that kind of stuff. And you find another man's picture in a wallet. And then some days you see her missing. You see her down in the backyard on the phone talking sweet talk with somebody. <laughs> if you accept that, you're not a genuine husband. You don't love her. If you love her, you'd become Jealous. Well Paul told the church he says I'm jealous over you With a godly jealousy You see fashion world out here is a god Sports world out here is a god The ungodly world out here is a god False religion out here is a god And there is a god that we belong to That is a jealous god When you flirt with the world he will give you up after a while my friend. And when the church accommodates the world and become worldly. You might be surprised to know how many churches God has already divorced. And they don't even know he's gone. Because they're so accustomed to the new love in their life. Love of the world and love of false religion and love of fun and frolic. That they have forgotten holiness. <clears throat> a lot of churches went blind and did not even know they went blind. The seven churches of Asia Minor think they knew they went blind? No, because drifting into apostasy is a gradual process. And when a man says, I'm jealous over you, will a godly jealousy, for I'm worried. He says, For I fear. As the, he says, I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy. Because I want to present you to your husband, one Jesus. Your husband, Jesus. That I may present you as a chaste virgin. And the dad wants to give out his daughter into marriage. He wants to make sure she's not a contaminated product. That's back in Israel we're talking about. Well, Paul wants to make sure that when he's presenting the church to Jesus, she's not contaminated with the spirit of the society that the church lives in. You're not contaminated by Hollywood. You're not contaminated by ungodly fashions. You're not contaminated by ungodly pride. You're not contaminated by ungodly lust. He wants to present the church as a chaste virgin. What do you think I want to do? We're heading towards the same goals. In the process of doing that, I hope to God that he'll process my life. And there are thorns that might stay with me until that time come. Because Paul never reached that place overnight. The apostle Paul said, he says all of these good things about him in Philippians 3, which we could not even get into. But he said he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, of the tribe of Benjamin, touching the righteousness of the law blameless. What gain, what things were gained to him, he suffered loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, for whom he suffered all things and counted them but dung that he might win Christ. And then he went on in that chapter, he says, I've not yet apprehended or taken a hold of that which the Lord has apprehended me for. So, what are you doing, Paul? Well, Forgetting the things which are behind and reaching forth unto the things which are before, I press towards the mark for the price of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. So there was a time when Paul was pressing, but there came a time when he was the end of the line. And sadly, listen to me, sadly. When he reached the end of the line, when he is now ready to be offered, he says, I'm now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. He's not pressing anymore. He has reached that place. He has reached the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. He says, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Not once did Paul back down from the calling that God has called had called him to, Amen. not once. He had remained faithful unto the last epistle he was writing to Timothy, said to Timothy, he says preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. That's that sung like a fickle, Paul? No. No difference than the Paul you read in Second Corinthians 11. He says, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. And he warns Timothy of the future. Well, Here is a man, he's not pressing anymore, he is reached. And then he turned around to see the end results of his work. All the churches of Galatia had gone to hell. The church of Corinth had gone to hell. And I can't name the rest. But to sum it all up. He says all they that be in Asia. Are turned against me. Did he change his message? Why did it turn against him? Because they had drifted into apostasy. Into apostate religion. Into false doctrines into misconceptions and the flesh had taken over the churches that Paul could not have anyone standing with him just a few handful of individuals. But he had reached that place. And every one of us should be challenged with that challenge that if we be faithful unto the end, Sister Phillips, we can receive a crown of righteousness that faded not away. The final work in our lives is still to be done. Don't give up on me. Don't give up on each other. The the working progress is still operating. Don't see the product before it's complete. You know an assembly line. It starts out one piece of a car. And then the next piece put on it. And then the next piece put on it. And you know that car you go into the parking lot and see a brand new finished product? It never looked like that all the time. By the end of the line, the job was done. Amen. Amen. And the end of our line, may God help us, that the dents and the scars of this ungodly world will not dominate our lives. But we can make it to the end, that like the Apostle Paul, we can say, I have fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. I'm now ready to be offered. Henceforth, there's little for me a crown of righteousness, Amen. which the Lord shall give me at that day. Amen. Amen. Good talking to you today. Just took five minutes extra of your time, but let's pray. <coughs> Father, again, we want to thank you for this magnificent and great examples of scripture. Thank you for the Apostle Paul. Thank you for Moses. Thank you for David. Thank you for these champions of the faith that are such a great example. And most of all, Father, we thank you for our Lord Jesus, the captain of our salvation, who for the joy that was set before him endured this cross and the sufferings, Father, that he could offer us life. Let your words continue to change our lives, we pray, Father. In the name of your Son, Jesus, we ask it. Amen and amen.